Now, there has to be another sign on the outside, come, so you see it when you're coming in, and this one will say servant's entrance. Servant's entrance. And so if you're going to serve, then you need to know how to serve. And St. Paul gives us this beautiful, beautiful passage, and, uh, and it's been a cause of problem for some people because they, <laughs> the gifts are given. Look, who doesn't like a gift here? Who doesn't like being given something for nothing? I mean, really. Come on. Anyone not like gifts? No? You all like gifts? Well, we'll see what's going to happen with gifts later. All right. Okay. So he says at the beginning, prior to this reading, this particular passage, he says, concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be uninformed. I want you to know about them. And I want you to know how they function. And I want you to know how important they are. And so he begins on verse 4 by saying, there are varieties of gifts but the same spirit, and there are varieties of service but the same Lord. There are varieties of gifts but the same spirit, and there are varieties of service but the same Lord. It would be no good if everyone had the gift of preaching here, because there would be no music, there would be no teaching of children, there would be no pastoring youth, everybody would be preaching, everybody would be talking at the same time. That's like the Tower of Babel all over again. And so there has to be a series of gifts. There has to be. And these gifts are like a cog. They all work together in, in unison. They're finely tuned because they're from God and given by God. And some of them, though, aren't that appealing. So if I was to give you a gift that you didn't really like, what would you do with it? I'd probably put it away somewhere. I have a 50-year-old um, son who is a nurse, and he's very precise about life in general, I think. And when he was three years old, we gave him a Fisher-Price airport. And that was a pretty swish toy for a kid at that time. And Neil, being Neil, unwrapped it very carefully and looked at it. And he said, Dad? I said, yeah. He said, I don't want this. <laughs> if there's ever a way to put a parent in their place, it's when your child is dead set honest with you. So he played with the wrapping. We put it away. And his younger brother got it the next year for Christmas. <laughs> But you can't do that with the gifts of the Spirit. They are given to you as a gift. But why are they given to you? Why are they why? For the common good. Because we have a common life together. We have a common life. And, and not only are we supposed to just sort of get along, but we're here for a reason and here for a purpose. It is the same God who empowers these gifts. Now, we, we hear that a lot about that word these days, empowering, empowering, empowering all kinds of people for all kinds of things. And God is empowering you, me, all those who call themselves Christians with gifts. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for what? The common good. So our benefit, our life together is depending on this. On this. And I, 
Very often we walk into a church on Sunday morning where, you know, where, where everything is laid out. Have you noticed that? You come in, you don't have to do anything. Just come in, you can sit down, you can visit with your neighbor, you know, catch up on what went on in your life this last week. In the meantime, the chairs are all set out, the communion's set, the musical instruments are there, and somebody like Eric doing his thing at the back with all the electronics is ready to rock and roll. But someone's done that because they're gifted that way and because it's for the common good. So please don't show up next week at quarter to nine to everybody to put the chairs out, okay? Because it'd be pandemonium again. Do you know what your gifts are? Do you know? Do you honestly know what kind of gifts God has given you for the common good? If I was to say everyone who is musical stand over here, you would go over here. If I said everyone who has the gift of healing go in that corner, those would go there. If everyone has the gift of administration, that corner, they go there, and so forth and so forth. But if I went through the list, you'd be switching all over the place because we have manifold gifts. What we need to do, and what is so important, is that we go to God and say, what are my gifts, really, that I can use, you've given me, that I can use in your service? And you may have a gift to say, we're not doing anything like that in this church. Well, you have the gift, then maybe you're the one who's got to start doing something in this church, like healing, like leading a prayer group, like starting a small group, like setting up the altar, whatever it may be. The interesting thing about all of this is that these gifts don't belong to you. They are a gift for the use of God. Now, there's an old saying, if you don't use it, you lose it. And I, honestly, I don't know if that applies in this particular instance. Some, say, some people say it does, some say it doesn't, but I, I'm not sure, so I'm being honest with you about that. So St. Paul gives us a list of, of things for the common good. You know, the utterance of wisdom, the utterance of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, uh, the working of miracles. Anyone gifted in the working of miracles? No, I'm not kidding now. We, we could use a few. We could use a few. Uh, prophecy, the ability to distinguish between spirits, which is discernment, which is essential, absolutely essential, and to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, all are empowered by the one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he will. They are apportioned as he will. So if you have a gift, if you have a gift of music and you're not using it, then what are you saying to the giver of the gift? I don't like you. I don't believe you. I don't want to do this. As one who's tried to do some of these things, I can tell you it doesn't work. Because one way or another, you'll get a gift that you have to use. You really will. So, if you are going to put together a parish profile, what are you going to say about yourself when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit? How will you describe yourself? <clears throat> because in a way, in a way, this parish profile sells you you're selling yourself. In, in essence, you're saying, here we are. 
Here we are. Lord, send us someone to be a part of us who will join our family. You don't join the preacher's family. The preacher joins your family and becomes a part of you, with you. Someone has to lead, and that's part of the function of a rector. That doesn't mean to say, you know what rector means? It means ruler. Strange name to give to a pastor. We're Anglicans, so these things happen. You just don't question them. They are because they are, and assume God has made it that way. All right. So just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of, of the body, uh, pardon me, though many, one, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. See, these gifts, these gifts are used here, but they're also useful in the rest of the church. When, when someone is, is ordained, they're ordained not to a particular congregation, but to the whole church. The whole church. And so as, as, as we're Christians and we're exercising, uh, uh, you know, our abilities with these gifts, they're not just for here, but they're for the, the rest of the church as well. Our dear friend Ian is exercising his gifts in a couple of weeks in a place that is very cold, we understand. But he's still teaching the same way he does when he's here. Those gifts are being used for the furtherance of God's kingdom in another part of this country. That's the, that's the beautiful thing about it. And so God has arranged members of the body, each one, as, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member then, where would the body be? If we were all preachers, we wouldn't be anywhere. Not one gift is better than another. Not one gift is better than another. Some people think it's wonderful if they are healers and that's it. Well, well so you do that. <clears throat> that is no, no better, Paul says, than the one who sweeps the floor, if you will, and keeps the place clean. That's just as important because it's all part of the same beautiful family and this cog, this finely tuned machine rolls on and on. God has composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body. In other words, we're all one, but the members may have the same care for one another. Okay, so we're not, we're not, we're not just a group of individuals here. That's not the way God intended it. That's not the way the church is formed. You are the body of Christ and you are together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. If one is sad, we're all sad. We belong to one another as we belong to Christ. And in case you get, you know, a little carried away with yourself with some of these gifts, St. Paul slipped in another chapter, chapter 13, which kind of puts us in our place. He says this, he says, listen, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. Or, and if I have prophetic powers, look at that, prophetic powers, that's, 
that's marvelous, with prophetic powers, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing, nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It isn't arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. You cannot use the gifts of the Spirit without love. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. We are together, working together as equals for the kingdom of God. And we're here because there are people outside in our mission field that have never even heard of us or of God or may have turned their back on him. Who knows? We don't care. That's not our business. Our business is to go out there and say, hey, we met someone we think you might enjoy if you met them too. Why don't you come with us? You know, a lot of people have, have said over the years, you know, when we've approached them about joining a church, I'm not good enough. Oh, I'm not good enough to, to, go, to go to your church. You know, I, I couldn't. Well, so now we're not good enough either, which is why we go. We need to be restored, forgiven, set up again by word, spirit, and prayer, music. So we can go out there and then come back with somebody else and hopefully make them a servant as well. Dear friends, it is, it is a wonderful thing to be gifted by God and to know your gift and to appreciate that gift and to love the giver who gave it to you because he died for you so that you, in turn, can help set others free and come and join you in the great and glorious kingdom of the living God. I'd like to close with, with a, uh, a few uh, words from the closing chapter of, of chapter 3 of St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. How many of you are familiar with the book of alternative services? Any of you? Did you ever use that green book in, at St. Stephen's? The end of the service goes like this. Glory to God, whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. If you know it, join me. Glory to God from generation to generation in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for you, if I may. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these beautiful people. We thank you, Lord, for their faithfulness, for their endurance. We thank you for their example of faith. We thank you that they have turned to you and that they love you so much. And now we pray 
you know, speaking on behalf of my wife and I, you know, we pray God's very special gifts to be upon you, to be in you, to fill you, to make you know that you are a beautiful child of God, that he has called you with the gifts he has given you to go out and bring in the lost. You recall the story of the woman who lost a coin and when she found it, she called her neighbors together and said, come and rejoice with me. There'll be more rejoicing in heaven over the repentance of one lost soul than a good soul who repents. When that rejoicing in heaven happens, it doesn't happen in a way that Anglicans would do it. There's a ruckus in heaven when one is re restored. And so, Father, we pray the gifts you give these people of Emmaus will help in the restoration of this city of Montreal and further out and bring your people in who are lost. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, by the way, I, 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 wanna, I want to advise you, if I may, to get this book. This is called To Be a Christian. Now, I know you're Christians, but this is called To Be a Christian. It's, it's the Anglican Catechism. Now, this is an, an, an older edition. There's a newer one. It's um, more um, comprehensive. This was the first attempt. It's very good. The new one has scads and scads of scripture references. It is a book that is something like all you wanted to know about being an Anglican but were afraid to ask, all right? To be a Christian, okay. I, I, I don't get commission, by the way. I just think it's a great read, and I think everybody should have it, so there you go. Thank you very much.